Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 63 for Monday, October 28th, 2019. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixel Riffs, and joining me as always is Joel Duggan. Hey, Joel. Hello, sir. I am slowly gaining my stamina back <laughs> after a really, really fun, very busy weekend at Halcon 2019, which also was the 10th Halcon. I didn't realize that until I was actually oh, there. Cool. I should have known that ahead of time. Um, it's an event with a pedigree at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I have been going, I went as a patron, I think the first year, maybe the second, but the as, at least eight years now, I have been like at a table at, in one form or another, whether it was as my set, like a paid for table as a guest or whatever. Uh, and I've been there for a number of years and seen the con grow to uh, the nearly 20,000 people that apparently walked through the con at one point wow. uh, this past weekend, which is pretty cool considering that Halifax as a city only has a population of about 400K. You know, so uh -huh. uh, now Halcon regionally is the biggest um, sci-fi fantasy convention this side of Montreal uh, annually. So it pulls from, you know, many provinces, you know, Newfoundland, um, PEI, New Brunswick. Uh, even some people come in from like Toronto and, you know, Montreal, depending on how much they like these cons. Um, so it, it does have a big draw. Uh, but it was uh, it was fun. It was a really good experience. Uh, we go into a, a lot more detail about what what happened uh, for myself personally at uh, Halcon in the render distance in our pre-show. So if you're a patron, you can go and listen to that. But um, I haven't had a chance to play Minecraft at all <laughs> this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but my Minecraft experience has been uh, just as cool. So as we mentioned last week at the end of um, episode 62, uh, Johnny and I did a panel live from uh halcon and so we had a little bit of a brief intro about who we are and what we do with the spawn chunks and then we did a q a uh with a pretty sizable crowd there was a good 30 or 40 people in in the panel room which was fantastic to see i'll i'll have to take your word for it because <laughs> i i was you, you were you were there live i was there via discord video feed because obviously yeah not being able to make it over to halifax at short notice and you know it being a bit of a trip i i wasn't able to attend halcon but i was still able to contribute in some way and yeah, doing doing our first Spawn Chunks live appearance uh, from the comfort of my own office was actually surprisingly relaxing. <laughs> yeah, and it worked out quite well. I mean, the uh, the the audio and video video quality from you was great for the room. Uh, we recorded it, and we're going to have a little bit more on that later this week. Uh, but it, it's something that I think um, I would like to do again, whether we can do it in person or even do another digital mix up uh, sort of thing. I think it was something that was that was totally worth doing. Um, I was really not surprised, but I we, I was reminded uh, about how diverse our audience is because there was a great mix of kids and adults at the panel. And it was not just the kids that were interested. So like, you know, a mother and father and or uh, son and daughter would be there and both the, the parents and the kids would have questions for us, which I thought was really, really good. Uh, and we don't usually hear questions on the spawn chunks from the very young listeners because they generally are not old enough to email into the show uh, so we usually yeah. have a cutoff of like you know i want to say that some of our youngest emailers might be in their early mid-teens that sort of thing but no not really do we you know very often do we get an email from a five-year or six-year-old um, so to mm -hmm. field those questions from a live audience at halcon was really fun it was just it was really cool to see these kids raise their hand in a group of you know, 30 or 40 people ranging from adults to other kids their own age and ask these very serious questions about Minecraft. Uh, and yep. it, it led to some really good conversation. And I had a lot of good feedback. Uh, people that stopped by my table afterwards really enjoyed it. Um, it was great to get a chance to talk to some people. Of course, I didn't have the time to talk to everyone. Um, but I want to give a shout out to Dominic. You will remember his question about uh, the theme park that he was yes. building. Uh, he showed me some yes. screenshots on his phone uh, and he has already taken to heart. He was ahead of us. He had already looked at a lot of builds from uh, Good Times with Scar. It, it is a really cool build. Uh, and so it was really cool to see him. He's, he popped by the table afterwards. We had a number of different discussions and he's actually organizing an art auction or he's part of the organization of an art auction at his school. So I donated a couple of prints to that as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. How lovely. Yeah. So it was really cool to see just how engaged he was with, you know, his own nerdy community and Minecraft as well. And it was, just, mm -hmm. it was just a really 
cool experience to meet people that were fans of yours were you know either into the show or new to this bond chunks podcast and just kind of like minecraft minded people um my first real experience like that with people in person obviously i've had a lot of twitch and you know podcast and discord experience with it but to have that kind of engagement with people in person was really really cool and uh, i want to give another shout out to uh i didn't catch his name he was a young man in the front row you will remember who you are he was under the age of 10 <laughs> and he, he just had some great questions and some of you know some of the questions were better than others but there was always a good question coming out of this young man and was, I, his dad also had some kid, good ones too was that the kid who put you on blast for not playing hardcore no was that, that wasn't kid? that was some other <laughs> that was another that was another young gentleman who who called me out for not being a real minecraft player because i don't play on hardcore i uh, know this this was one of the first questions uh he 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 wanted to know the difference between honey blocks and slime blocks and oh, yeah right. so he had some yeah. very specific yeah. very technical questions uh and I, I don't know whether it was his father or or just someone else that was with him uh that was asking about being new to minecraft and where to start and all that kind of stuff and so Great. it was just yeah. really cool i um he came up and i signed one of our little spawn chunks cards for him later um but it was just really cool to see that kind of engagement from from young people and he seemed really interested in the podcast i mean like i've been podcasting for eight years and i don't normally see that kind of level of engagement from kids that are in grade school for podcasting and it was just <laughs> It was yeah. really cool to see. And so I want to thank everybody, of course, for coming out. But to the people that were engaging and having a conversation with us, that that was exactly what I had set out to do with this panel. And I think it went off very, very well. Now, we recorded it with the permission from everybody in the room. And we're going to be able to put it out on our podcast feed later this week. Uh, I don't know yet the technical aspect of that and where I'm going to put it. Probably the website uh and probably the patreon page if it's on the patreon page it'll be a free non-paid for post uh for those of you that are that are wondering about that uh but we will find a way to get you uh a link to it at some point i do want to put it in the feed i think i just don't know how to necessarily number it <laughs> you know we'll have to figure out how, yeah, yeah. how we kind of like figure that in some sort of special episode i'm sure we'll just call it something um but yeah so yes. just look for that um and um we'll we'll keep in touch via twitter and discord and let you know when when that's going to be out definitely yeah but i'm glad we were able to do it and it's it's a hopefully a good road test for doing spawn chunks events at some point mm -hmm. in future because while it would be obviously lovely to get us both in the same room to do something it's also still going to be possible to do that stuff uh through the magic of technology and one of us joining via discord or something like that seems to be uh seems to be a decent enough formula and yeah once again thanks to everybody who came out sorry i couldn't be there to shake hands with people in person but yeah super fun to do that nonetheless well uh my my week in minecraft has obviously been a little bit more traditional shall we say uh i've been muddling along with the survival guide as usual um but i did get a chance to head out to london to meet with the folks at nvidia and try out minecraft with rtx of which there is already a video up on my youtube channel uh, i put that up over the weekend on saturday for anybody who hasn't seen it already head over give it a watch we're going to be discussing that in a little bit more detail later in the show as we get to the round table segment uh, but aside from that i've been decorating my world for halloween uh, which is something i didn't think i was originally gonna do but then it's kind of fun just to use the pumpkins for all of the kind of creepy stuff you can use pumpkins for and i've started moving my friendly pillagers into the houses around my town and so i thought yeah sure i'll decorate the place for them give them a, a kind of a grand entrance as it were and along the same lines actually of making the illagers my friends i finally got around to bringing a vindicator back from a woodland mansion to my base and having it farm passive mobs for me with the name tag johnny so uh yeah there were a lot of people in my comments being like you just named a vindicator after yourself i'm like yeah but he spells it differently so it's fine you can still tell the difference between the two of us um <laughs> And yeah, so um, yeah, he's now, I, I've got a setup where I, I still have to breed the mobs manually. It's not a passive mob spawner in the sense that it's completely isolated in the middle of an ocean or something and mobs will just spawn on a piece of grass. Um, the, the, the mobs still have to be bred with wheat or with carrots, whatever I want to feed them. But then the baby mobs end up going into a water stream when eventually they grow up, they catch another water stream that takes them up and into the tank where the Vindicator is ready to kill them. So... I can farm meat for my butcher villagers that way. A lot of people were suggesting that I should hook it up to some smokers and have automatically generated food. I said, well, no, I'm, I'm, you know, buying golden carrots from my farmers, an emerald for three. So I don't really need the, uh, 
I don't need the food at this point. What I would like is more opportunities to trade with some of the new villager professions that have, you know, uh, you can sell them a pork chop for an emerald at this stage. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm slowly outfitting my trading hall with all of the trades that I haven't tried before. Butchers also have a trade for sweet berries, so I'm probably going to set up a sweet berry farm at some point this week as well. But there's, there's a lot of opportunity for that stuff, and it's just fun messing with the illagers. To be honest, they've been causing me so many problems recently that I'm, I'm just enjoying getting the better of them in that way and and using them for my own purposes. It's something I've been holding off on is exploring the new trades at that depth uh, in in the village and pillage update because I'm just waiting for them to... I feel like there's going to be some changes. We haven't heard anything, but I just have this feeling that there are going to be changes that happen in the 115 uh, holiday update. Yeah, at, at the very least, they are planning on um, reducing the amount that villagers currently trade. It is yeah. a bug that they refresh their trades constantly. So relying on that kind of infrastructure for, for the foreseeable future is not necessarily going to be an ideal thing, but I, I'm also quite keen on getting as many emeralds as I can before that happens. Yeah, doing it now so, before it changes. Yeah, I, I did that. Yeah. Um, we I did that with my mending books, unbreaking books, and silk touch books. I think before mm -hmm. before one fourteen dropped, I just got a shulker box and filled it, and just like, all right, you yeah, know, like, yeah. I probably won't need all these, but I'm going to just do it now while I can, uh, while mm -hmm. I can trade with them easily. Because at that point, there was there wasn't even profession blocks in my villager hall. It was just you know, the Hotel of Eternity just had people in their rooms, quote unquote. Uh, and, yeah. um, and we were just trading with them whenever we could. So uh, this week in the news, crickets. Yeah. <laughs> and, no, and no crickets aren't being added to Minecraft along with bees. Uh, it's, just, <laughs> it's just been a slow news week. Um, this is probably, I, I've noted this in the show notes, because the entire Minecraft team from both the US and the uh, Stockholm office, the Swedish office, uh, have just spent a week away in Barcelona having a kind of team connecting week. Um, and I think that's obviously a very good thing because it means that the left hand is talking to the right hand. It seems like they are focusing on bonding the entire team, making sure everybody's on the same page. They're probably talking a lot about their individual projects and kind of, you know, just spending time together, which is good because a lot of people recently have been talking. It, it, we even got some questions about this in the panel about whether or not Java and Bedrock are kind of becoming disconnected and if one team is being favored over the other and what, what version is... Uh, being favoured over the other and I think it's a good sign of them being a unified collective force of creativity and and kind of being on the same page when it comes to the development of the game what that meant of course is that we didn't get a snapshot this week we haven't had any news articles from minecraft.net we haven't really had a great deal of stuff that we can feed into the news section of the show so instead I thought I would throw a spotlight on some stuff the community has been doing with the new honey blocks because if you follow the Minecraft Reddit at all, uh, the tech community has slowly been losing its mind over the possibilities now that we have something that can move blocks around but does not attach to slime blocks. And as you mentioned in last week's show, Il Mango showcasing stuff like an entire movable floor that could be moved, like a, a huge area because you have a separate push limit for slime blocks and honey blocks because they don't have to connect. There have been people making some incredible stuff on Reddit, and I think Mumbo Jumbo also has a, a video that I put in the show notes just entitled Honey Block Piston Doors Are Crazy. He is right. They are. <laughs> That's a um, what a perfect title. Oh my gosh. Yes. So yes, good. yes, yes. And they and they they are they are incredible because uh there are designs you can make that are in theory limitless. You know, there there is an infinitely tileable horizontal redstone door. So basically like imagine the cover of like a pool where it kind of you know, gets inset into the ground and then slides away to reveal something underneath that. But in Minecraft, um, and and it's a huge area. This this um, uh, Reddit user by the name of Kiam Plant G. Uh, I put two of their creations in the show notes. There's this horizontal redstone door and basically an elevator platform that just descends into the floor. And it's an area we're talking at least like you know ten by ten or bigger. The horizontal redstone door one is. I think probably at least two chunks worth, uh, like Q, uh, square rather, mm -hmm. of, of, of material just moving. And obviously, like, the, the main problem at this point is visual because obviously the blocks are appearing and disappearing and lag is being created. And so the game is trying to keep up with all of these blocks moving around. 
and it becomes kind of obvious that there is a redstone machine underneath there because these blocks keep flickering in and out of existence while the game is trying to keep up. But it looks spectacular, and the fact that you can move all of that stuff around really does justify any of... We, we had a, the, the email last week about the community complaining about honey blocks until stuff like this happens. When you see what people are doing with stuff like this, you can see how they have adamantly fought this corner because it's it's looking pretty incredible. And I think this is why we had such a large outcry from the technical community about honey blocks and slime blocks not sticking to one another, and that's how it mm -hmm. really should be and what they were hoping for, because immediately uh, they've been putting out some of, some really cool stuff. I, I, I thought the um, infinitely tileable horizontal redstone door was, was cool. It's a nice feat of engineering, not so practical. It was pretty slow, and like you said, visually yeah. not all that appealing. Kind of, that kind of stuff does kind of take me out of Minecraft sometimes. However, that huge elevator build, which is really like it's when they say huge, I mean, it's big for an elevator, but it's really, like you said, a 10 by 10. That was really yeah. good. It was pretty quick, uh, pretty seamless looking. I mean, it wasn't decorated, but you put the, that in combined with some really uh, thoughtful, you know, block placement for how you want it to look. And you could have a large platform elevator similar to the kind of things that you'd see in a military base that would raise or lower an airplane. Or if you're building a big sci-fi base and you want to have something like that, a whole floor go up and down. It's really cool. And it seems to be more accessible than it ever was before for players of different skill levels. And I think that to me is really, really appealing. Um, I also like yeah, the one that you that's... have in the notes about the hidden nether portal. That's really cool too. Yes, uh, and obviously players have been able to turn on and off nether portals using you know flint and steel and water buckets in dispensers, but then you can have a giant wall that kind of sinks into the wall behind and reveals the obsidian frame and then lights it up because you can move all of that stuff with, with honey blocks and slime blocks side by side and the the portal has the potential to be 21 by 21 like the maximum sort of size for a nether portal more or less that's super cool and i i look forward to seeing more stuff like that because you can hide stuff like that in plain sight almost you could have an entire cliff face disappear and then lead to something like that and like you said i think uh the honey blocks are actually going to make slime block contraptions like this way more accessible because you don't have to struggle so much with knowing what the push limit of a piston is and how to arrange slime blocks to get past that push limit and have, you know, slime blocks move pistons that then move slime blocks that then move pistons and all of that kind of cascading build that just makes things more and more complicated. Instead, you can work with two separate materials that do more or less the same thing. I think that's definitely going to open it up to people who are curious about that stuff but find it intimidating right now. And I haven't done a lot of work with um, piston doors. I, I, I think I might have even said it in the Halcon panel that I've not built any. I have built one and just not on the Citadel. It was in the very first world. But it's like, it's a very simple two-piston, two-block door. Uh, but the thing that I find so complicated when I watch videos from people like Mumbo Jumbo is the timing, the, t the timing circuits that you have to put in to have multiple blocks from multiple slime blocks and, slime and sticky pistons all moving at different times and the right time uh, and how that timing then complicates when you're on a server where there's lag involved. Um, I feel like, and this is me outside of this commenting, that honey blocks might reduce the number of timing circuits that you need because you might be able to have a honey block and a slime block do something at the same time on the same circuit where previously you would have had to separate them somehow. Uh, again, it's an outside just guess, but I feel like it's going to simplify again the timing circuits of these doors, which is going to make them even more accessible to people. Definitely, yeah. So I recommend folks who are curious about the, the potential of the Honey Block to check out this week's show notes and see uh, what is possible, because I'm sure there's going to be more and more of these inventions coming up. This is just the stuff that's happened in the last week since we had a snapshot which changed this behavior in the first place. So there's there's already loads of really, really fun stuff going on. Well, speaking of slow news, I was anticipating having more to talk about on this week's episode from Minecraft Earth, and I'm a little bit surprised that we haven't heard more officially. However, uh, we have a chunk mail uh, about Minecraft Earth, and so I thought we would jump into that. And it is from NotBoxExe uh, regarding Minecraft Earth feedback from New Zealand. So thanks very much, uh, someone that has access in this early 
uh, Early Bird Access to Minecraft Earth, sending us some feedback. Hey, Pix and Joel, I live in New Zealand, so I now have Minecraft Earth still in Early Access, and I have to say I enjoy it quite a bit. The AR looks very good, and I like how it makes you walk around and exercise to get resources. However, I would like to suggest some changes. I was playing in the car as a passenger and the game lets me confirm that with a pop-up message. However, even then, it wouldn't let me t acquire tappables. Since I'm only in high school and my parents don't supply me with a lot of data regularly, I was using my dad's personal hotspot in the car, I have very little chances to acquire a lot of tappables. I wish there was a way for me to get tappables as a passenger in a car. Another bit of feedback, why does crafting have a timer on it? Smelting should have a timer to say true to the core of the game, but in my opinion, it takes too long to craft things. For example, I wanted to convert 19 birch wood into planks so I could build with them, but I have to wait 10 minutes. Frankly, I don't understand why crafting needs a timer at all, since it doesn't have one in the main game. It seems to me that it might lead to people buying resources through microtransactions similar to Clash of Clans. But if the timer must remain, I feel that the time to craft things should be at least reduced. Other than that, uh, I said before, the game is very enjoyable and fun. Yours sincere sincerely, not Box EXE. What are your thoughts on, on uh, the feedback coming in? Hot, hot from the New Zealand, fresh off the press. Yes, yes. Excited to hear about Minecraft Earth again. So thank you for, for writing in. Um, I think I, I've experienced this, of course, with everyone's favorite thing to compare to my Minecraft Earth, uh, Pokemon Go. Um, it also wouldn't allow you to interact with stuff when you were moving too fast. And while there was a competitive element to Pokemon Go, which Minecraft Earth doesn't seem to have, so I'm not quite sure why the restriction is in place. Um, it was basically there to stop you from kind of cheating the system and acquiring way more stuff than other players could on foot. If you imagine the amount of ground you can cover compared to how often these tappable things are spaced out, I think it is more likely that you'd be able to acquire a ton more stuff if you were just traveling in a car super quickly. So I think it's mainly just going to be to encourage people to exercise and, and it seems like kind of a flimsy excuse, but I think it is the one they would probably go with. Um, the same is perhaps true of the timing on the crafting tables. That's that's the thing, if anything, that feels the weakest about this for me is the idea that you have to have a timer on crafting materials. And I've noticed more and more mobile games, typically the ones that do have microtransactions you know, incorporated into them, um, the Wizards United, the, the Harry Potter mobile game was one like that where if you were brewing a potion or you had something to do or like you had to you had to wait a while for something to happen for the next quest to pop up, that kind of thing. And I think it might even be something to do with uh, like regulations on mobile games that certain maybe, you know, governments or, or lobby groups have imposed or suggested to make sure people aren't just constantly head down on their screens playing these games that that seems like the potentially the the answer to this for me is is that they're trying to make sure that there is a reason for you to leave the game alone for a little bit and even if that means you have to put your phone down for 20 minutes because it's crafting something that gives you an excuse to step away to take a break to, you know, realize that you're outside and appreciate the fact that you're walking around in an open environment. And also, uh, yeah, to make sure that you've, you've not got your head buried in your phone constantly when you're out in public, maybe crossing busy roads and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I would agree with you on the idea that not being able to collect pack, um, tappables, excuse me, in a car is just going to be encouraging people to get outside. The idea behind these games is not to do it in a car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know at what speed not bot might have been traveling. Like I'm wondering if it's if it's if they say, well, yeah, you can collect tappables if you're doing 30 kilometers an hour on a on a residential road, but if you're on a highway, then that's just you're covering too much ground too quickly. I don't I don't know whether that's a factor. Um, as far as the timer is concerned, I see what you're saying and I absolutely agree. However, I'm wondering if they're barking up the wrong tree with the Minecraft community in that respect, because for me personally, I don't have a problem with putting my phone down when I'm, you know, done with it. Uh, but you are going to see me play this game very seldom if I have to wait to just craft blocks. Now, yeah, I get it. If I collect some sand and I want glass, I have to wait in Minecraft for it to smelt. That makes sense to me. 
and it's a cooler block. So I can understand that if you want smooth stone or glass, or if you, if you need to smelt cactus for green dye, like if you want to do special things, I'm okay with waiting. That's fine. But if you're telling me that I can do in Minecraft uh, something like chopping a tree down and turning logs into planks uh, with the click of a mouse, and I have to wait for it to craft in, in Minecraft Earth, I am not going to be playing that often. Uh, because we've yeah. already got feedback in our Discord from other players that are saying that the resources are, are, you get what you find. It's not that you see something and then can mine what you want. So you're, um, I, believe, I think it was Whip actually on the show saying that he went out and collected a bunch of blocks and he had all these blocks, but he couldn't really build anything with them because he wasn't collecting with intention. He was collecting with RNG, right? So he was, yeah. he was getting whatever blocks were around. So he gets home and he has a lot of cobblestone, but not enough wood. He's like, well, I don't want to build an entire thing out of cobblestone. I'd like to actually have you know some block variation. And mm -hmm. if then if you then say like, oh, hey, you want block variation, that's going to be 20 minutes. Like the chances of me coming back in 20 minutes are pretty slim. And I'm worried because what I don't, what I am not interested in in Minecraft Earth, I don't want a time management game. That's not a Minecraft yeah. experience for me. I don't want, you know, I can't remember what the name of the Simpsons game was. Tap, tap something. Tap, tap. Yeah, yeah. tap, tap. That do not want. <laughs> like not, mm -hmm. not interested in that. Uh, I'm going to say entry-level mobile experience uh, from Minecraft. I think mobile games have been around long enough that people know what they don't like about them. And I'm hoping with Minecraft Earth that Mojang will realize that and take a step in the direction of like, well, let's just make the the purchases and the, the microtransactions cosmetic, you know, have them be some rewards for doing things in game, um, but not have it be microtransactions for blocks i think we had a question about that either last week or the week before and and i i don't think that the way around this timer is going to be to purchase blocks because i think that opens up a whole can of worms but the timer in general if it's not inconsequential then i think it's going to be uh either a sticking point or maybe even a deal breaker with some players yeah yeah, I think it, it could be. I think it's it's certainly a a weird move. And I, I agree that having the smelting mechanics being kind of similar makes sense. Um, but the the crafting thing I, I feel like yeah, it, it's taking away from what people think of as the the traditional Minecraft experience now. It's throwing in elements that are unique to Minecraft Earth as a platform and I would be interested to hear if there was going to be a developer response to something like that and why they decided to make that change. Uh, something I've just realized I could put in the show notes related to Minecraft Earth is uh, a player by the name of Janissary on Twitter um, tagged me in a post they made about Minecraft Earth where they had built my one chunk clock tower design in one of their Minecraft Earth build plates. So evidently they've been playing enough to acquire the resources required to build that because it's not small. And they have rebuilt it block for block, give or take the more expensive things to find, like I used bone blocks for the clock face and I think gold blocks for like accents and details. But they have done a phenomenal job of reproducing that build in Minecraft Earth and it looks superb. It looks so cool actually seeing that build rebuilt in an AR environment and sort of placed down in the scenery around them. So I'm going to link that in the show notes for people to take a look because I'm I'm chuffed to bits and it's the kind of thing that I would like to have access to Minecraft Earth to do more of so that I can figure out what size these build plates are and come up with more like micro build tutorials to uh, encourage people to build some cool stuff in Minecraft Earth. But again, I need to know what materials are going to be accessible to me, how easy it is to get hold of them, and then, you know, what the what the alternatives are, how long you can expect to wait for stuff to craft now, apparently, mm. in order to uh, to get some stuff like that built. Jen hats off to Janissary. That it is a really cool shot. <laughs> That's yeah. really, yeah. really, really, really cool. We'll definitely have a link to that in the in the show notes. And I think that some of the coolest parts of that is, of course, being able to then look around the build in AR and take pictures of it from different angles that way. That's uh, that's super cool. It, I like it that It looks a like lot. there might be like, I don't know what it is in the background. It might be an office building or it could be curtains. I don't know whether it's an inside or an outside screenshot with regards to what the camera is seeing behind the AR, but it, it really does look cool to see Minecraft and one of your builds like out, out in the, the wild, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely. All right, uh, let's move on to our roundtable this week, because normally, of course, we would have a guest on and, and a roundtable discussion topics. There would usually be uh, three of us chatting it up, but obviously because we've been busy uh, this weekend and Halcon and everything, I thought it was probably best just to stick to the two of us. And uh, Joel, uh, what are you bringing to the table this week? Well, as I mentioned before, because I've been so busy and I haven't actually had a chance to uh, play Minecraft or keep really on top of things, I am going to uh, borrow, <clears throat> steal, my topic from Equalize. <laughs> IT uh, in our Spawn Chunks Discord. Uh, they're an ore producer and part of our Smeltery chat channel. And uh, the topic that they brought up and thought might be a good thing to th toss around is, will the holiday update be too feature light to maintain the interest of the player base for, we're guessing, six to ten months until the nether update? Uh, so from Equalizer IT uh, in the chat, they had said, the last two updates were very feature heavy and gave players a long time to explore those features and add uh, and then add things when uh, they started to get stale. The new updates uh, have bees and bug fixes and we'll say honey blocks here. Uh, this is an older post. Um, apart from technical players, I'm not sure there's enough to maintain the player base between updates. Maybe if they're adding additional blocks or mobs, I would feel different about this. And uh, I I was, I've have had similar thoughts, but uh, Equalizer IT articulated it so well in the chat, I wanted to kind of give them a shout out. I think new blocks would be a great way to give the average player more to play with between updates. I also don't think it's an overly complicated thing to do. Now, I'm not saying it has to be the honey block <laughs> and I'm not saying it has to be like, or more like the honey block. I'm not saying it has to be player, you know, interaction with fletching tables and smithing tables. I'm saying aesthetic blocks. I'm saying, you know, more versions of things we already have, you know, people want stairs and slabs, <clears throat> crack slabs. We you know we, we want things like that, that seem to be from an outside perspective, a fairly easy thing um, for Mojang to add to the game. And if they did that, along with all of the bug fixes, which I'm happy they're doing. I want to illustrate that this is still a very positive thing that they're doing with the, the bees and bugs uh, updates that are happening. Uh, I feel like um, if they did surprise players with some extra stuff, not big things, just a few little things or a lot of little things, whatever the, you know is possible, I do think that it would go Oh, a long way to kind of satiate the the general player base, you know, between um, between whenever we get the holiday update and whenever we get the another update. So, how how do you feel about um, the the fact that the holiday update might be a little bit too feature light for people? I think it's sort of inevitable in a way if we're going to get two updates per year that one of them is going to feel a little bit lighter than the other um, because realistically that is what we're getting at this point if we're expecting that the nether update is going to come out at the same time roughly in 2020 that we got the village and pillage update in 2019 we're looking at a 12 month period with two updates instead of just one which i feel like is sort of what we got between the update aquatic and the village and pillage update update aquatic came out a little bit late but um yeah we we are waiting roughly the same period and we're getting an additional update it is really going to be a case of the community's overall attention span which is a really difficult thing to measure because there are definitely some people who would just eat up these new features at a very uh we'll say superficial level they'll just kind of scratch the surface of what's possible with some of this stuff and then they'll immediately start champing at the bit for something new and then there are people who will deep dive the features and really go into the mechanics of what makes this tick and how can we use this in interesting ways. And that's where you get people doing cool stuff with honey blocks, doing cool stuff with raid mechanics, doing cool stuff with ravagers and, and you know, stuff like... I, I'm, I'm getting into that stage of village and pillage now where I'm using ravagers as nano crop farms because they trample crops super fast and that kind of stuff. And... There is always going to be that depth to previous updates that I feel like some players who get bored of the current update are leaving untouched, but that's just because that isn't for them, and they want something new and something kind of to explore, some new mobs, some new blocks, that kind of thing. And I'm not disparaging those players in the slightest because it's going to be a different case for everybody. But then you have to figure out how to please everybody <laughs> and how to please everybody is to make a full-size content update every six months is going to be a little difficult. 
I think the other thing that is worth noting is that you don't really hear players complain almost, you know, never when a new block is added. Like if we got a different stair or a different um, wall or, or a new fence or something like that, people are generally not going to roll their eyes and be like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> right. Like it's just, it generally seems to be a positive, like more, more blocks seems to be the one request that crops up a lot. So it would be a fairly simple way, I think for Moyang to kind of, um, we'll say lengthen the, the, the shelf life of the, the holiday, the bugs and bees update. Uh, I want to be clear too, that I'm not talking about like new biomes and new, new resources, but I think even just, you know, utilizing the, the resources that we have now, uh, and maybe doing a little bit more with them would be, would be interesting. Uh, even if it's something as simple as say like, you know, Hey, bees and bugs, but we're also, we've also seen some features that have been added. Like for example, the, the whole, um, resetting your spawn with a bed. What if they increased the functionality of blast furnaces? You know, like what if that's just a little box of the check, you know, and if it's enough to kind of like open up more avenues and like, as you said, uh, give those uh, players that do want a deep dive more to play with long-term, I think they might be able to, to calm that down. Um, one of the other things that I want to point out could happen is that the nether update, we don't know when that's coming. That could come faster on the heels of the holiday update than we're anticipating. I'm not going to mm -hmm. hold my oh, breath on it, but it is possible. I was going to say, yeah, always a bit of a risky uh, guess <laughs> to yeah. be like, it's going to come faster and then it gets a little delayed maybe, yeah. but... I mean, yeah, it's, no, it's I, a guess, I, right? Like, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, we we're going on the track record. Like, we're going on the fact that it, there seems to be a roughly a late spring summer update, and then they try to do, also push something out usually around Christmas time, and that's just kind of like going on what we've seen the last couple of years. Uh, the one thing that I think is backwards, uh, which I think, unfortunately, they've already said this won't happen. So this is not me speculating; it's me saying, "Well, this isn't going to happen, but this would have been cool if." If they could have planned the updates to one of the other biomes on the list to happen between holiday and nether, right? Yeah. Like that to me seems like a very cool stepping stone, a smaller update than the nether update, but it would have been something that I think they could have um, definitely satisfied players with to kind of have a long wait between holiday and nether updates and not have it be completely devoid of any really cool content. If they had said that, hey, we might try to put one of these biome uh, updates in there, they have already said that that won't happen. Uh, so yeah, it's, and it's unfortunate. They, they have also said that they are holding on to mountains until after the nether update. So the mountain changes announced at Minecon are not going to be happening until after the nether update, which might mean that they are saving those for the subsequent holiday update, the 2020 holiday update, which could potentially be a smaller content update like what we're having with bees now, but that's also the biome that gets updated. And then going forward, they can start to include those biomes in each of the, the smaller updates if we're getting two updates a year. That said, this is still a new development in the development cycle that they seem to have a bit more of a rhythm to things now after the microsoft takeover a few years ago there was a huge wait between 1.9 and 1.10 then there were a few smaller content updates that really didn't promise all that much and then we got a big content update and then we got another big content update and that's where we're at now so yeah, yeah it, it's it still feels like they haven't quite settled into a rhythm that is going to please everybody i agree that new blocks would be fun to have and there is going to hit a tipping point where that would no longer be possible with all of the current materials that we have True. If, you, if you imagine you know sooner or later there is going to be walls and stairs and fences of everything that they think it's practical to make it out of or that the, the players think it's practical to make it out of because i think mojang has already hit that limit of like okay we're done making slabs and stairs and fences of things uh yeah whether or not you think they should be is another matter but um yeah, I can I can see them hitting a point where they don't really have anything like that to add, and the only way they can get new blocks out to players is by justifying their experience by adding new resources, which means adding new features, which then makes the update larger than they expected it to be in the first place. Yeah. So sooner or later, they they, they reach that that point anyway. My final note on this will be if the 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 mountains is not updated until holiday 2020 which is like 14 months plus from now uh yeah. my faith 
in in the I don't want to say feedback cycle, but like the, my my what's the word I'm looking for? I guess my expectations of we are going to update this and we're going to act on your vote and and do it. I will just not care. It's like it's it's not if it takes that long for mountains, which appears to be a pretty th well thought out update. Like they 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 come to these biome updates and these votes with these awesome little cartoons, and they seem to be very well thought out ideas, right? Like they don't seem to be just like we're going to do this. We've got no idea what, but maybe it's more like, no, no, no. Here are some very key things that we have given a lot of thought to and they are, we are presenting them to you and we just want to know which one you want us to do first. And then they get the player base, you know, to respond excitedly. And then they have to wait over a year. Like, I, I don't know if you can maintain the interest of Minecraft players at large, if you're going to take that long to implement something that you wanted people to get excited for, you are going to lose the momentum, but fast, in my opinion. This is just me. Um, so I'll put less stock uh, in these updates because uh, really we're going to do this and we're it's happening soon is unfortunately having less and less meaning for me when it comes from Moyang. I'm happy with what they're doing. I just feel like the timeline in which they're doing it and how early they present it to, to people. It just seems to be like, yeah, okay, that looks cool. But like, why are you showing me now if I don't get to even touch it in until 14 months from now, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I can see that being a frustration because you're, ne you're then waiting until after the next presumably biome update in next year's Minecon for them to implement something that they promised yet yeah, last year. And I think that the problem with it, of course, is being game developers, they're only able to offer a vague idea of when something is going to happen. They don't know for certain what setbacks are going to come up. It's just not practical for them, you know, even as a, a fairly major game publisher at this point to just say yes it's coming exactly this date and this time and so they by by covering their bases and not you know getting people mad at them for perceived delays in the development process they have to be very vague about it and that's mm. ultimately the frustrating thing about reporting on this stuff week to week <laughs> as course, well yeah, is yeah, that, yeah. yeah eventually we hit a point where we're like well they've said this is coming but we know as much as you do and yeah that's where it's where people start to get a little bit impatient i think so but hopefully we are going to get um a decent amount of just playtime and 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 stuff out of the 1.15 update if bees and honey blocks aren't necessarily your thing then maybe dive back into some aspects of the game that you feel like you missed out on the first time around and hopefully that'll be rewarding enough for people so that they can have that to hang on to while they wait for the nether update so what are you bringing to the round table this week well, I've put off talking about it enough. I'm going to talk to you guys about my experiences with Minecraft with RTX because I mentioned that at the top of the show. Um, and yeah, if anybody has not seen the video on my channel, once again, I encourage you to go and check this out because this is the kind of stuff that I can describe verbally on a podcast, but as an audio-only medium, you are not getting one-tenth of the picture, quite literally in this case, that you would get if you went and saw this thing for yourself because it is a visual update to the look of Minecraft on Minecraft Windows 10 specifically, and it's not necessarily going to be a, a required update for anybody. I don't actually know enough about how they plan to distribute this, if it's going to be paid for DLC like a texture pack would be, if it's going to be like something you can buy from the Minecraft marketplace, if it's just going to be automatically available to anybody who has Windows 10 and a good enough graphics card, I don't really know. But for those of you guys who are not in the loop, a little while ago, a couple of months ago, Minecraft announced a collaboration with the graphics card manufacturer NVIDIA uh, to work on a basically a version of shaders, a, a realistic lighting engine for Minecraft for Windows 10. And unfortunately, it's not Bedrock Edition. It is just Windows 10, probably because they can't guarantee that people across the full range of Bedrock Edition devices will be able to have graphics capabilities that will support this. You're looking at old tablets that can still play Minecraft, but probably wouldn't be able to handle Minecraft with real-time path tracing. Um, same with the current editions of Xbox. Even the Xbox One X is pretty powerful graphically, but I don't know if it's quite cutting edge enough to hit some of the stuff that they want with Minecraft with RTX. But I got a chance to try this out. Uh, Joel, have you seen the original announcement video that they posted? Have you seen the the one that's on the Minecraft YouTube channel? Yes, I've seen both. I've seen that one, and I've seen your whole video as well. 
Okay, cool. So so if you've seen that map, and if people at home have seen that map, then you've seen the first thing that I was able to look around, because it was basically the same world. Uh, the NVIDIA team had put together a Minecraft world, or maybe Mojang had put together a Minecraft world, that's essentially a tech demo showcase of what's possible with RTX. And I know a little bit more about the technology side of things, or at least like how they're implementing the technology. And so I'm going to try my best to give you a potted version of that. Um, path tracing, also known as ray tracing, depending on who you ask and depending on the implementation of it, uh, has been used in the movie industry for a while. He said that the, the guy I spoke, uh, spoke uh, speaking to, who I sadly I forget the name of, um, yeah, I think his name was Rick, possibly, but sorry if I'm getting that wrong. Um, he was telling me that the original implementation of path tracing in movies was for Cars, the Pixar movie which came out about 15 years ago now, I think he said, which is baffling to me. I feel old. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, um, th that was the first time that, like, rendered footage for a CGI movie, a Pixar movie, had included realistic lighting. So lighting that was calculated in a similar way to the way light behaves in real life, and so reflections could be used and how... Like, it, you didn't have to fake reflections at that point. The animators weren't deciding, well, the light source is going to be here, so I'll paint on a reflection that's going to occur at this point. It was, the light is a real thing in the scene, and we can make materials reflective, and we can allow the scene to kind of light itself by tracing where the light is coming from, and then how the light bounces off that surface to illuminate the surfaces around it. And of course, there's a limit to the amount of times you want to do that. Otherwise, the calculations required become infinitely more complex. Uh, so it's, there's a limit to how much they can use it in an environment like Minecraft. But now graphics card technology has moved on so much in the last 15 years. We are now able to calculate all of that light stuff happening in real time and at 60 frames per second. So in Minecraft, in this tech demo, they've been able to simulate light in realistic ways or, or pseudo-realistic ways. What they, they explained to me was that they're not necessarily aiming for realism because they know Minecraft is not a realistic world. It's made entirely of cubes and realism is only going to go so far if your game is a stylized one. So what they're aiming for is immersion and hopefully that comes across in the video that I was I was showing. Like, What, what were your first impressions of just seeing, seeing what they've done with the uh, the lighting in that video uh, immersion which you did mention in the video but that's definitely what i was thinking uh because you don't it looks different because it's a combination of this realistic lighting that's happening but also the textures and the blocks are much higher res than than everyone is used to and so materials that are not normally shiny or shiny uh you know resolution of the detail in those in in those textures also looks different so it just doesn't look like Minecraft as you know it. Uh, yeah. But uh, what I see is the potential. Like I, I look at the I look at the demo and I think, okay, like the fact that the sun is coming in from these windows and it's bouncing off of this red carpet and just a little bit of that red is is coloring the the bottom of that oak pillar. Uh, that to me. Uh, is really cool because that's the kind of thing that I do in my own artwork when I'm essentially trying to create that feeling of realism and immersion in a cartoon. Because again, people can see an illustration of a cartoon and go like, well, that's not real. It's not, it's not meant to look real. It's not meant to look photoreal. But when I'm drawing a character and they have a red cape that's being hit by sunlight and I bounce just a little bit of that red into their blonde hair, it helps it feel like one cohesive image. It helps it feel like it all belongs. And that's what I got out of watching the, my initial impression from the video is that you, it feels solid. Whereas I find more often, probably because, you know, I don't play with shaders all the time, uh, that Minecraft to me feels immersive, but it feels like a game. It feels like a facade. You know, I know yeah. that these cubes are not solid, but they are six-sided, you know, polygons that, that are paper thin on the outside. And it's only things like sound effects uh, that make it feel heavy when you put it down, right? Um, whereas in the video where you're walking through, it felt like things had more weight, even static things like a log pillar 
or carpet or um, uh, stone, for example, uh, because of how uniformly lit things are in Minecraft, seeing how a carved stone uh, wall, like something that has, you know, stairs at the bottom and stairs at the top, as we often build in Minecraft, um, that having cast shadows and, and deep crevices and stuff made it feel like more immovable right it felt yeah. more solid even though it's not moving around it just like or or not th not that it was moving around but like even though it's not um an animated thing in minecraft it's not not given any motion like say a piston uh or the light isn't moving over it just the fact that it's there and lit in that particular way um really i found helped um in in art it's called ambient occlusion and it's essentially the point where light can't get to. Uh, so you think yeah. about like a rock on the ground. And even if it's a fairly round rock, there's a certain point when you get close enough to the point where the rock actually touches the ground where light just can't get to because it doesn't bounce far enough. And, and that showing up in different places uh, was really cool. In some ways, I almost felt it was too dark, but that could be the tech yeah. demo. And so maybe you could speak to that because i'm curious yeah. with, with your first impression like i've seen i've heard the video and i've seen you know, like your your thoughts but like what was your initial reaction like did it feel alien or did it feel good uh it felt quite similar to the experiences i've already had with shaders and right. you're talking about the darkness in it that was not a problem in the moment i think youtube compression is probably messing with uh, the darker elements okay. of that video right. So it's probably not quite as dark as it appears. I had no problem like navigating around the world with, you know, a little bit of darkness in there. And I probably would have put torches down just instinctively as a Minecraft player, but you weren't given much in the way of inventory. You were in creative mode, but you were just encouraged to explore. And there were even some areas of that map where it prevented you from putting light sources down. Mm. Um, I, I tried messing around with glowstone blocks a couple of times, and you can see in the video there are some places where in the ice cavern sort of area, I can put a glowstone block on a wall. But in the areas where there is supposed to be a shaft of light hitting some diamond ore or the treasure room where there's all these reflective diamond and gold blocks, you weren't able to place light sources in there. The game immediately deleted them. So I thought they were being quite precious about the lighting conditions in those environments and what you could really do to to affect that. But it seemed like, yeah, the, the, the lighting stuff was was less of a concern. And it did feel quite immersive. The, the most immersive points of it, at least in that original map, I mentioned in the video was when I was interacting with villagers. And there weren't really many other animals in the map. I could potentially have spawned some in, but I didn't mess with the inventory too much. Um, but you would walk into a villager's house and I, I rang a village bell and then walked into the house after the villagers had kind of run around and done that thing where they try and pathfind to a safe place. And a villager was standing on a bed sort of in the corner of the room in the wall opposite me and the fact that the house was so dimly lit it made me feel like an intruder you know it made me feel like I was walking into somebody's house and they were just kind of up against the wall going okay I don't know what's going on you've just rung a bell like there's a threat here what's what and it, it sort of lent a sense of story and a sense of you know immersive atmosphere to the game that I don't feel if it's not lit in that way if it's just you know a series of effectively cartoon images being put in front of me it feels it feels like it has a lot more depth with that level of lighting going on it feels more three-dimensional for want of a better term i think i think the, the the possibility of of controlling your environment and the lighting and creating narrative through lighting and mood is really really cool yes and that is the stuff that really gets brought to bear in the second half of the video and the second map they showed me which had uh, a HD texture pack that had been provided for them by Mojang themselves and coloured lighting was in this map and that was the thing that really excited me. I'd seen a little bit of it before because the lava had lit one of the cave scenes with a different kind of orangey glow compared to how, you know, regular default white uh, all of the sunlight was. But then they had coloured lights in this scene that were lighting the walls in different colours and reacting a certain way to materials around them. And then there was a basement area of this modern house that they'd built where you had three doors in a dark area. So the only light coming into that area was from those three doors. And they had blue, red and green uh, light sources behind them. 
and if you opened up multiple doors, then the colors blended on the floor in front of you. So if you ended up with a red uh, light and a blue light together, you got purple being created on the floor in front of you. And that was super cool because, yeah, that's creating atmospheric lighting conditions and, you know, working with the way light actually functions. <laughs> and, and, and that was really, really impressive to me. So there were different kind of color combinations that you could try. There was also a room that I did not understand the significance of until later. And it's not something I included in the video, but I was looking around for other people's experiences with Minecraft RTX. I looked through a couple of different publications online where they'd got the tech demo at Gamescom and so they'd had some hands-on with it themselves. And I think it was the IGN article, which I will have to try and dig up. But they pointed out there is a room where it demonstrates something they realized during development, which is the pinhole camera effect, the sort of camera obscura effect, where if you have a light source reflect, uh, not reflecting, but like kind of um, on one side of a sheet of paper with a pinhole in it or a, a large kind of sheet of material with a single hole in it, then the way light behaves will actually reflect the light that's coming through and stuff appears upside down. And that's one of the basic principles of um, photography. And I think that's why camera sensors still use mirrors to reflect an image so it's the right way up. That is actually possible in this in this version of Minecraft's sort of lighting engine. And it's a very brief moment in the video, but you can go back and look at it. If I There's a bit where I enter a room that has a light made of almost like upside down heart-shaped kind of red lights on one wall. And I walk from that room through to the other room and there is a kind of mirrored surface set up in there and the heart shape is the right way up. And that's really cool. And I, I, I hadn't guessed the significance of that, but that is light in this Minecraft lighting engine behaving the way light does in the real world. And the fact that they'd implemented it in the game and apparently they discovered that as a thing purely by accident. They didn't know it was going to be possible. They hadn't done that, like they hadn't coded that with that effect in mind, but it happens that way. So it's it's really quite interesting seeing them, them actually kind of implementing something that is simulating real light and it being that accurate to how reality works is is super impressive to me. That's really cool. Do you think that it will have the same effect if players don't want to play or if they have a choice to not play with a high-res texture pack in combination with the lighting well the first texture pack i was playing with was just the vanilla textures for all intents and purposes it had some bump mapping from ah, the shaders okay. but it was it was not necessarily a higher resolution texture to my knowledge they they said it was just a vanilla world and, and I believe them in that. So the shaders are potentially adding some depth there, but you are getting the same level of lighting. It's it, the, the resolution of the lighting and stuff is not affected in any way. And as far as light sources in the game and how they behave, that entirely depends on uh, what visual information the game is drawing from those light sources. I don't know if sea lanterns give off a much bluer light. I didn't really have a time to kind of, you know, compare all of those different light sources and see if any of them were slightly different color but it is potentially going to be possible to do stuff like that. And if they later implement some stuff in the game that maybe adds a feature for everybody, but is enhanced by RTX, uh, like ray tracing and stuff, that could potentially be an option. Um, one last thing I wanted to touch on from this topic is the comments I got on YouTube related to this. A lot of people were very excited to see this kind of thing. A lot of people were very excited that it was a Bedrock exclusive thing, because I feel like Bedrock does have the short end of the stick when it comes to exciting developments visually uh, because Java, of course, has shaders, all of the stuff that's made by the community, and there's been a, a much more robust texture pack creating community before Bedrock implemented the Minecraft marketplace and so forth. But naturally, the stuff I got from people on YouTube was like, what about Java? My PC won't be able to handle this. Uh, Nvidia sucks. They have proprietary technology they don't let other people have. It's gatekeeping. I'm sticking with AMD and so on and so forth. And yeah, I I feel like there is a certain level that people expect everything to be available for them. I don't want to call people entitled or anything. I feel like that's kind of a strong uh, argument to make. But I think, um, yeah, it, it's weird that people, now that we are in Minecraft community and we, we've, 
like like we said at the panel you've paid for this game once and you get so many different updates and stuff happen for free i feel like people want to experience everything minecraft has to offer and this still feels like something that only a limited number of people are going to be able to experience in the short term at least who knows where technology is going to bring us further down the road when rtx capable graphics cards become more commonplace when maybe even consoles and tablets have the technology that they'd be able to work with this kind of level of graphical fidelity. I'm not sure. Uh, it's going to be interesting. But for people asking what about Java, uh, Sonic Ether has a ray tracing or path tracing shader pack in development already. Uh, and that was a video that we covered uh, several weeks ago. In fact, a couple of months ago, I think, uh, on the show very briefly. And um, that is, I think, it's still in alpha stages. So I think it's still only available through Sonic Ether's Patreon. Um, but it's possible that you can force a path tracing kind of algorithm to work in the java version of minecraft like traditional shaders do and it's not linked to a specific graphics card it is possible to run it on any gpu so you don't need an rtx card to run it although the caveat being of course with shaders that things are probably going to run a lot slower especially if your graphics card isn't up to scratch but um yeah, there is certainly a lot of people saying this signals the death knell of Java and that Mojang only cares about doing stuff for the Bedrock Edition now. And I'm like, that's not what this is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is, this is them working with the technology that's available to them and allowing NVIDIA to develop this themselves because the Mojang team and the Microsoft team are not, to my knowledge, the ones developing this. It is NVIDIA who is working on it and leaving the Minecraft team to continue developing Minecraft. And I expect it is just easier for NVIDIA to work with the programming language that Bedrock Edition is coded in than it is for them to work with Java, especially when Java doesn't necessarily have the infrastructure to do stuff already. And a lot of people say that if Minecraft was developed now, it would never have been made in Java to begin with. So I feel like the, the limitations of Java as a programming language are maybe being brought to bear in the fact that it's not being developed for Java platforms as well, or that NVIDIA as a company just has greater experience in is it c++ or something i think that's what um what yeah. bedrock edition is in i i'm not entirely sure but um one thing that i i always think about when i see comments like that you know or um you know culture gaming fandom in that effect going in that direction i think unless you want minecraft to be a 60 or 70 dollar title and you have to buy expansions for it then this isn't going to be rolling out for everybody like you, you just it's it's a it's limited for a reason you know and yeah and what i think about uh goes back to something that was mentioned at minecon live and i'm forgive me for forgetting the name of the community project but essentially it was like we want to improve a part of our community a part of the city and they were bringing in suggestions and models and maps that were made in minecraft and they used that to then present the ideas to the people that had the development power to actually change the city and then they actually changed this you know or had the potential to then change and, and build something based on uh, an idea that started in minecraft because of how accessible minecraft is it means that not just architects are coming up with the idea for a new public space right it could be it could be a kid it could be a parent it could be a combination of those things what I yeah. looked at and thought of when I was watching the second half of the video with all of the cool lighting in that modern house with the high-res texture pack from Mojang is that what a cool way to break that barrier of Minecraft is a kid's game uh, and, and also break the barrier of it being just a game and saying, okay, well, what if this was a real architectural proposal that was then rendered in this way that people could then not just see but walk around in? and get a feel for what would this look like if our plaza in this area of town actually had these changes to it. And it would give a much clearer idea to the general pub public, not all of whom can visualize that sort of thing, right? I mean, there's artists out there that can, but then sometimes the average person just has a hard time with that. That's why they're not an artist. So if you could yeah. sit them down and say like, hey, voting member of the public, take a walk through this world in this game. It's pretty simple. You don't have to play anything. Just walk around and look and say, hey, if this was the new library or the new courtyard, would you be okay with that? Now, it's not perfect. Yeah. It's Minecraft, so it's not going to be the same. Like, the things are blocky and large, but the general sense of space with this lighting engine would be communicated, I think. And that, to me, has some really cool potential, not only in that space, but also education. 
Yeah. One final thing I will say about this actually is that the probably the the argument I heard the most uh, most keenly in in the 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 kind of the dissenting comments, the people who who were trying to figure out the place of ray tracing and path tracing lighting in regular Minecraft gameplay was how is this going to affect survival gameplay and we're still going to try we're going to have to mechanically speaking light up a room to the extent that you wouldn't necessarily see the benefits of having all of this path tracing stuff going on because the room will still have to be lit with torches every five blocks or so to prevent mob spawns right and and that's an argument that I definitely hear, and it's one that makes me think that this isn't necessarily for survival players, mm. which I think is is difficult for the community to handle because survival is still very much at the core of Minecraft. There are creative builders, of course, and there are people who play in peaceful who would probably have a much better time playing with this pack than they would if they were playing on normal or hard and a creeper could just be like two blocks away from you and you wouldn't see it because it's in the shadows. And I think it comes down to my, my experience of using shaders now being that I use them to take screenshots. I, t I use them to make my builds look pretty. I use them for cinematic sequences. I'm not necessarily playing with them all the time. And there are some people who do, and that's their, their jam, and they're probably used to playing it that way at this point. But I'm questioning whether or not this is necessarily going to be how Minecraft should look in the future. And whether or not it's going to be the way that most people would play Minecraft if they were given the chance. I think it's nice to have the option to switch that stuff on and off, though, in case you want to make a uh, an interesting creative scene or if you want to take a really nice screenshot of your build, if you just want to make things look pretty. But that is probably going to be all we have time for on this episode of The Spawn Chunks. Thank you guys so much for listening. And you can find more information about the show and links to some of the things we've talked about at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join the community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and get us closer to our next milestone goal of recording The Spawn Chunks live so that our patrons can listen in in Discord. We are currently at 138 patrons, which is another increase from last week thank you so much to everyone who has signed up in the last week or so and special thanks go out to our content engineers cameron sigelski jd williamson and yitz for supporting this episode sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show it is 100 free you can just poke a friend in the arm and say hey they listened to, uh, they, they listened to us and they they did a spawn chunks chunk mail episode they have round tables all the time you could just say how cool the show is and say just just go listen you'll enjoy it and like we mentioned before we do have those one minute clips that go up so you have a sample that you can even share around you can also find us at the spawn chunks on twitter and instagram you can email the show with your thoughts at the spawn chunks at gmail.com and of course you can find us on itunes android stitcher spotify and youtube the RSS feed is on thespawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page and that is where you can listen to The Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Pixlriffs and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixlriffs where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called The Minecraft Survival Guide. I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick YouTube search and I stream three days a week on Twitch. Uh, aside from that, I'm at Pixlriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio and online store, which I don't mention often enough, is at joelduggan.com. If you saw a couple of prints that I had at Halcon that you might want to pick up, they're available. They're just available online. Uh, you can check that out. You can find the podcasts that I do on the same page, but the Citadel Cafe is coming up this Wednesday, and my co-host Megan and I are going to be recapping and talking about all the nerdy goodness that we saw at Halcon this past week. Uh, and of course, I will point you towards YouTube and Twitch, where I post and share my Minecraft experiences. I'm going to be back on Twitch this week. I, I had to take a week off last week for, because of Halcon, but I'm looking forward to a couple of days off with some longer streams. So come hang out. It's a pretty chill experience. We have a lot of fun. And that's at twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Reflect on this.